This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome into episode 137 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue. Scott McLaughlin is day-to-day with flu-like symptoms. He's not feeling too well, so he is not in the lineup today. No, unfortunately. He's, I just got off the phone with him, and he has already taken his NyQuil and gone off to bed. So he, yeah. he, he fought through it last episode. And then he thought he turned the corner, and then today he just got he just got hit with it. So he didn't come to the garden for today's game against the Hurricanes. Yeah. So, so I actually I actually stole his seat because his TV was working and mine wasn't. So hopefully he's just sitting at home with a you know hot turkey sandwich leftovers and watches up Netflix or something. But we'll miss him for this episode. But we'll have to make do. Um, so is that Bridget- what you say when I'm gone? Eh, something like that. I just, you know, I, I fluff, I fluff oh, over there. Whoever's not here, I just kind of act like we miss them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just a next next minute mentality, you know. Um, so Bridget, today at the at the garden, you had a you had a nice early start today. I mean, obviously, busy day yesterday. Friends, food, you know, drinks. I'm sure, and but yet you were up and at it early and headed to the garden for the matinee against the uh, the Hurricanes, the Black Friday matinee which is a really stiff test for the Bruins, right? We've talked about, I mean, they haven't had an easy schedule. They just have, to this point, avoided some of the, I would say, other elite teams in the league uh, that they're about to play. Started with Carolina today at the Garden. And a lot to talk about in this game, but they were able to come back from down 2-0, get the overtime win, and get that 12th straight home win to start the season, which was an NHL record. is an NHL record. Yeah. And so for, by the way, the Black Friday game actually most years is a pretty packed house. And I noticed early on that, you know, I usually look around during national anthems and the building was full. Sometimes there's a late arriving crowd. No, today it was loud. It was full. It almost felt a little bit like a playoff game because especially when things got closer. Um, and especially since it was against a team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year, but, um, no, the crowd was was really, really into it. And honestly, there were points in time where you kind of could feel the crowd did factor in um, when they were giving the team energy. Like when Allmark came out of his net all the way to the blue line to clear the puck, they were just losing their minds. And um, when Krejci scored the second goal and it originally was waved off, they were just giving the refs such a hard time that I'm – sitting there thinking if I'm the ref I'm coming out and I'm just saying it's a goal because (laughs) the crowd was just screaming goal at them for the whole like five minutes of them trying to look at the replay and I was like these refs are not safe if they don't say this is a goal (laughs) um so it did actually feel like one of those games where the crowd was somewhat of a factor 
and just really trying to get them going when they needed to to get a little bit of extra juice um and they were into it the whole the whole way and obviously they knew it was at stake um it just felt like for in the first period after they gave two power play goals it was like oh my god they got so close to this milestone this like history breaking start at home but they might like fall short but at the same time you're like well they probably will still win <laughs> because that's just how the team has been this year and it's true uh their mentality is never to just give up and you know they believe in themselves so much and they were playing the entire third period down a forward and essentially down a, def- a defenseman because strawman only took one shift in the third um smith left the game in the second period with an upper body injury and didn't play at all in the third so i mean you could feel it coming especially once they made it to overtime and they had a power play they had two power plays in overtime um one that carried over from the third and one that ended up being when they scored um when poster scored the power play goal to end it but you just could kind of tell that's where it was going um once they once they brought it to overtime and i was wondering like did would it have the record wouldn't have upheld even though they still got points if they lost in overtime but i was like oh is this i mean they made it to overtime but like on a technicality does it still count because they didn't lose in regulation so um doesn't matter because we don't have to do the semantics because they actually won in in overtime so yeah no the streak the streak would have come to an end no doubt about it because end of the day it's it wouldn't have been that 12th win right um but yeah, I mean, there was definitely a lot of a lot of juice in the arena. Um, you have two really, really strong teams, two teams that have aspirations to represent the Eastern Conference come June um, in the Stanley Cup Finals. And obviously there's history there, right? Like, you know, Bridget, you made a comment uh, about 15 minutes ago when we were talking before we started recording about how it seems like they're playing the Avalanche coming up more than they've played Toronto all you know, and, and, and the Canadians and other rivalries. And um and, and my point in, that, in saying that is, like, the Bruins haven't played Toronto a ton. They haven't played Montreal a ton. They haven't played, like, their organic, you know, longstanding rivals. It's, it's Over the last, like, handful of years, it just hasn't really been there, that, that hatred. Instead, it's been Tampa Bay, and it's been Carolina, who's, who the Bruins have battled mainly in, in, in recent playoff seasons. So the Bruins and Hurricanes have played in the, uh, in the in the playoffs three times, I think, in the last four years. So there's just a lot of, obviously, animosity there, right? The Bruins, they swept them in 19. They beat them in five and 20. Carolina got them in seven last year. So you just knew this was a game that both teams were getting up for, and it was a really solid test for both teams. Yeah, it feels like especially, like, Brindamore and, like, there's there, – like, Brindamore – the rivalry is strong for him. Um, but there was a lot of turnover between this year and, and the playoff team from last year, right? They add Brent Burns. They lose uh, everybody's favorite, Tony D'Angelo. Uh, they, they, there were, there were quite a few. Yeah. They lose Trocheck. They, they had, you know, a, a bit of a difference um, in their team. Goaltending ha- was, you know, actually a question for them last year and, and has rotated a lot for them as well. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a different looking team, but you still got Aho and Svechnikov and um, you know, Nechas and yeah, there's there's a lot of 
guys that it, that do remember it. And you can tell Svechnikov kind of plays agitated when he plays against the Bruins. I mean, he's a little bit like that anyway, but you could see it with him. And he, But he's somebody who gets frustrated sometimes when he gets in those kind of games. And he, at the very end of the third period, accidentally uh, threw the puck over the glass, <laughs> trying to, like, hurry up and get it out and give the Bruins a power play. So, yeah, he, he was interesting to watch today. But there was definitely – you could feel the animosity there. Yeah, and a couple of a couple of guys that weren't in the lineup for Carolina were Max Pacioretty, who wasn't on a team in previous years, and uh, Tebu Teravainen. He wasn't in the lineup either. So obviously, two two really good offensive players for them weren't in the lineup. And but even with them out, you just saw how difficult Carolina is to play against. In particular, if this were to be a playoff matchup down the line, um, you just watching this game today reminded me and hopefully it was a friendly reminder to the Bruins and, and they've been looking for this, right? Like they, they don't, the Bruins don't want everything to be so easy. Like you have to be able to go through adversities and trials and tribulations over the course of a season um, to be battle ready and battle tested for the playoffs. You don't want to, you don't want to keep walking into the, into the postseason. So the Bruins needed this, this type of game, this type of reminder where, Oh yeah, we're going to play teams in April where this is what the games are going to be like. It's going to be, bigger teams, tight checking teams, teams that play frustrating like Carolina. It's very, very frustrating to watch them because all they do when they get the puck in their own zone is they just flip it high and high in the sky out of trouble. And they make it difficult for the Bruins defense in the neutral zone to gather that puck all the while they're, they're flying their forwards at them full speed and just a very, that's how Carolina likes to play. So. And they play just, also like a very frustrating, like in your face defensive style too. They do like, kind of just like right on top of, of you. And especially like on the power play, they weren't really given the Bruins much space to do anything. And, and Bruins ended up going over five on the power play in regulation and then finally scoring in, in overtime. But um, I noticed them just like playing a much more aggressive penalty kill than most teams. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what makes them, they did that last year as well. And it's what made them successful. It's it's their mo under Rod Brindamore, and quite honestly, I think it's a successful formula on the penalty kills. So you don't want to make things too easy for the power play, right? So, but watching this game, Carolina goes up too well, right? Um, power play goal, Thomas Nosek hasn't uh, wasn't able to clear the puck out. By the way, that was that. a great keep by Brent Burns in real time. Like watching it there in real time, I thought it might have come out, but then you see the replay, and you're like. No, he got that. And he was moving backwards and somehow reached the stick. I did think he did a good job um quarterbacking their power play. Yeah, Brent, I mean that's what that's what Brent Brent Burns does best. Um and, and it was a good keep. It just was, you know, Nosek made it pretty easy for him. You know. But uh Yeah, and and that was not an anomaly either. Like the entire game it felt like the Bruins were trying to make clears. They either weren't connecting on a pass and and make a defensive zone turnover so they can't get the puck out or they can't make the clear fully like over the blue line. And it just felt like that happened multiple occasions. And there were certain times where someone had to make a really good individual play, like well, Allmark obviously having to make a few extra saves on, on chances after defensive zone turnovers and failed clears. And one, and one play in particular that was actually noted by Montgomery as maybe the turning point of the game um, was in the second period where the Bruins couldn't clear the puck. And then two players were going for it, and Charlie McAvoy just ran both of them <laughs> and took the puck away. So that was after 
they they weren't able to get it out, weren't able to get it out. Then McAvoy just kind of took matters into his own hands and separated the puck with a big hit. And then the physicality in the second period in general, even Charlie Coyle, who's not, you know, known necessarily for being physical, Taylor Hall, um, few guys with, with hits that kind of ratcheted up the Bruins' energy. Yeah, and McAvoy started that shift you were referencing by um, putting um, Shreshnikov on his on his ass, and then that kind of is what got Shreshnikov ticked off the rest of the game. And and like you like you alluded to earlier, you can get him off his game, you can agitate him. Um, but yeah, no McAvoy as he's as he's done for years now with the Bruins. If if the team needs something, he he has a really really innate ability to to understand that. And um, you know you can't. You can't just change momentum of a game with a goal on the drop drop of a hat. Like sometimes it takes, uh, you know, an intangible play to happen, and he, and he did that. But one thing, one thing I think that is different for this Bruins team this year uh, as opposed to last year is that if Carolina went up two nothing last year, that was it. Game mm-hmm. was over. Okay, and th- th- that was the case all regular season against the Hurricanes, and it was the case most of the seven game series against them last year too. If Carolina got the lead, they weren't relinquishing it. And, and by you know, the way, there were, there were games in the regular season where when Carolina got the lead, they just buried the Bruins. And mm-hmm. it was just like, what, what was it? Like six to one or something. There were some regular season games where it was just a cascade. Once they started scoring, the Bruins just couldn't slow them down, which yes, that's, that's a huge difference this year from last year. And a big a big part of that difference is David Krejci, right? He wasn't on this team last year. If he's on the team last year, maybe the Bruins win that playoff series. But he's the guy, along with David Pasternak, who gets the Bruins on the board, makes it two to one. Krejci also eventually later ties the game two to two. Um, but it's you know you watch this Bruins team, and last year, if it wasn't Bergeron and Marchand and Pasternak and occasionally Taylor Hall or Charlie McAvoy. It wasn't really anybody, but you watch this team now and you're you're looking at a third line that has Charlie Coyle and Taylor Hall on it right now, right now. And you mentioned Charlie Coyle. He's playing, he's using his size in every way possible. He's using it to shield um, defensemen off when he's protecting the puck. He's using it to be physical in the corners. Like he's using his, his frame and size. But I guess my point is when you, when you're rolling out Taylor Hall in your third line, for now, like that's just depth the Bruins didn't have last year, and that's why they're able to overcome these deficit deficits even against some of the best teams and and, and well structured teams in the league. Yeah, and by the way, I, I was making this point. I think Scott disagreed with me, but I'm making this point last podcast that when you have Taylor Hall on the third line and you ha- are able to have him and Coyle build some chemistry, you're spreading out your skilled guys all the way through the lineup. Like you're. You're on a different line. You have Marshawn, and then you have Pasternak, and then you have Hall. So three lines in a row, you're setting out guys that can just make an individual play, and and you're in trouble. And by the way, you make the point about Coyle being able to shield the puck and use his size and, and use his strength. Um, you want to know who else was doing that today? Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall uh, a few times just decided he was going to go straight to the net, just kind of box someone out, keep them to his inside and push them out of the way and go right on goal and get a chance in the crease. He did that a few times and that's what that line could do. Uh, Smith too can play like that. Um, We haven't seen him do it much this year, but if you think about that line as 
guys that can just po- possession. Um, first of all, it's kind of hard to take the puck away from those guys, but um, I see the potential for it. It's not a hundred percent yet. Um, and obviously Smith hasn't played to his full potential this season and he's out now. And we, we wonder after he already missed time with an injury, um, go, leaving the game with an upper body injury where he could fit in a Greer. Also you could throw in there on the right side. Um, Frederick is still out. So that's somebody that eventually you could throw in there again, but um, you'd have to play him on the right side. If you want to keep Hall on the left side. Um, anyhow, I'm rambling, but, uh, I just want to say before we move on from just because we were mentioning Smith after the game, um, coach Montgomery said he believes that both Allmark and Smith are day to day, um, and nothing like more long-term and serious. Um, but obviously still awaiting more of a diagnosis because it hasn't been much time. Usually between when we talked to him and when, you know, like the Allmark injury happened, it was only like 20 minutes later. So um, still need more time to be sure, but they were optimistic about both of them. Yeah. Um, it's been a, it's been a tough year for Craig Smith, obviously on the ice production wise, um, not finding a fit in this lineup and he's had some injury issues. So um for his sake, hopefully he's he's okay. Um, Allmark, I'm I'm encouraged by Montgomery's comments after the game. Um, you know, you watch that play, and on the one hand, you're loving everybody diving out to prevent that puck from going into the back of the net. Um, but yeah, Clifton just ended up falling on top of Allmark there. By the way, phenomenal save. I, I watching that live, I thought it was a defenseman who was behind Allmark that made the stop. It was Allmark. It was his, it was his, uh, yeah. I think it was his left arm. Yeah, originally I heard Jack make the call that it was Clifton, and it did kind of look like it went over top of Allmark, hit Clifton, stayed out. But it was Allmark. He got he got a piece of it the last second, um, somehow able to make the save despite Grizzlick being like underneath him and Clifton being on top of him. <laughs> so, I mean, it it looked it looked bad. Um, it happened very fast in, in in real time. It was like, oh, okay, what did he hurt his head and then you see the replay and it's like okay no blocker side arm so right arm seemed to be the the issue and then also there was some hints in the post game press conference with Montgomery that it was an arm injury um which was when he said uh he has full range of motion so meaning like okay that usually means like your arms um you know you're able to move everything around the way it should. And it also kind of, I, no way to confirm this because I didn't see Allmark, but I, I think that means like he's not in a sling or anything like that. If he's able to move everything fine. Um, and also Swayman said he, first thing he did was ask him like, are you okay? That's, that's the one thing I care about. And then he said, uh, he's a Swedish Viking. He'll be fine. So (laughs) it seemed like they were pretty optimistic uh, about him, uh, coming back sooner rather than later. Uh, and we mentioned the tough schedule coming up. They have Tampa Bay, then they have the Avs twice. They, uh, then they have, they have in December, they're facing twice, uh, a hot, devils team as well obviously those devils games are later on in the month but you still want to have both your goaltenders ready to go for tampa bay in two games against the abs 